Michael Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in this video, I've got another game review for you. This time, I'm reviewing Lord of the Rings The Confrontation, specifically the uh, kind of travel-sized second edition. Makes a difference I'll get to in a minute. Uh, it's by Reiner Knizia. He's a pretty famous game designer. He's designed a lot of different games and a lot of different themes, but uh, this particular game is kind of a nice easy to grasp game for people who aren't really super into games but still want to get some Lord of the Rings into their gaming sessions so let's go ahead and get started on kind of some basics of the game and then we'll talk about some of the more interesting elements of it and then wrap up let's go so this particular game is essentially an abstract strategy game with just enough thematic elements from Lord of the Rings thrown in to make it interesting to somebody interested in Lord of the Rings so when I say abstract strategy game, I'm talking about games kind of like chess, checkers. Those are the kinds that most people would be familiar with. The idea is you move pieces and you don't really have to know any specific information about the pieces for the most part to know how to play the game. In this particular case, that's largely true. There are a couple of thematic elements that make it a little less abstract. But basically the main point of the game, depending on which version you play, uh, the second edition has combines both the original game and an expansion game that was released into one package and that's what makes it so nice but here's the um, actual game board that it's a pretty small game board in this edition it's travel size like I said so you've got the Shire up here and you've got some other regions of Middle-earth in between all the way down to Mount Doom at the other side of course the fellowship starts on one side with the Shire and whatnot, and then the evil player starts on the side with Mordor and Mount Doom and all that. So the goal, depending on which side you're on, if you're the hero player, then your goal is to get Frodo all the way to Mount Doom. The other flip side of that is if Sauron, the Sauron character kills Frodo, then that ends the game in favor of Sauron. Or if Sauron gets three shadow pieces all the way to the Shire, Sauron wins. Also, one side or the other will lose if they can no longer move any pieces, but no victory conditions have been met. So, for example, say Sauron only has two characters left and they've both reached the Shire, you can only move forward, and so they can't go backward. He can't move, so he's lost. Uh, the other, uh, in the variant game, it gets a little interesting because Frodo can, if he dies, can pass the ring to Sam, and so Sam becomes the new ring bearer. So you can also win by getting Sam there if he's the new ring bearer. But alternatively, the uh, shadow player can also win by having the alternate version of the Witch King get all the way to the Shire by himself. Doesn't need to have three characters. So there's a little bit of variation there depending on which version of the game you play, and I'll get into the pieces a little bit uh, later. But... That's essentially the main point of the game. Generally speaking, the pieces move forward one space. Uh, there's an, one little exception to that rule. There's a spot on the board where you can actually move sideways because it's kind of considered down the river. It's kind of weird how they set the game up. It's very abstract, but uh, that's the one exception to the rule. And then there are also certain exceptions. Certain characters can attack other characters sideways as opposed to having to move forward. So there's a little bit of variation to that rule as well, but by and large, it's mostly you just move forward one step at a time. Now, of course, because of the way the game board is set up, 
say if you start all the way back in the Shire, you can move forward either left or right because you're adjacent to two different spots there on the board. So there's you can move either one way or the other as you're moving forward, but you generally speaking can't move just to the right or just to the left. You have to be moving forward along the board. So that's kind of the overall idea of the game. Now let's kind of get a little more detailed and look at the actual pieces because that's where that's where A, the interesting things about the game get into play, and also B, where do you get the thematic elements. So let's talk about those. So here's a couple of examples. It's kind of like if you've ever played Stratego, this is what you see if you're the opposing player. If I'm the shadow player, I'm going to see this. If I'm the uh, hero player, I'm going to see this. And then on the other side are these little slots where you can slide the character pieces in. And so here's an actual example of, you know, some character pieces. We've got Legolas and the Witch King. And on the reverse, this is for the 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 expansion version of the game. We have Elrond and the alternate version of the Witch King. So that's how you can kind of pick which version of the game you're playing. You just slide whichever piece is relevant into the piece and if you're playing the hero player you would see this because you know what character you're playing but the shadow player doesn't know what character is where you can put them you can set them up on the board any way you like so each starts each side starts with nine characters makes sense I mean you've got the nine players of the fellowship and then you've got several different shadow players to match so each character has a kind of unique ability that makes the play a little more interesting. And some of them are heavily thematic, some of them a little less so. So you've also noticed probably that there's a little number up by the top of the character portrait. The character portrait number basically tells you their combat strength. So the every time you move a character into a, a region where there's an enemy character, you have a combat. And then that gets into uh, part of the other element of the game where you have these different cards. Some of them are numbers, some of them are text cards that have different effects, uh, but the basic idea is you're either trying to kill the other character or you're trying to avoid the combat or resolve it in some way to your favor. So the cards are mostly the same for both sides. They each have uh, one through five. Uh, they also have the, set, the shadow character also has a, a six card as well. The shadow character is very much uh, aimed at just being overpowered. And you'll notice if you you know look at all the characters too, the shadow characters have much higher uh, combat values than the, the fellowship characters as well. But then the text cards get a little bit different. So the fellowship has four, whereas the shadow only has three because they have the one extra number card. The... There's a handy cheat sheet for both sides that shows what all the characters are and what all cards they have. So you've got a retreat card that basically says before you even actually resolve combat, you just retreat back to where you came from. The shadow, I mean, the fellowship also has a magic card that says replace this card with one that you've already used and discarded. There's an elven cloak that basically says any strength card, which would be the one of the number cards that the Sauron player plays, has no effect. So you just negate their number card. And then there's a Noble Sacrifice card, which basically means both characters die. So it's kind of like, and I mean, it even has the, uh, the uh, 
it's basically a picture of Gandalf fighting the Balrog. They both die. <laughs> Except Gandalf gets to come back. He cheats. Uh, and that's, I'm not talking about the game there. I'm, that's just more of a general reference to the story. But And then, of course, the Shadow player has basically the same types of cards you've got at the Eye of Sauron, which negates a number card from the Fellowship. You've got a retreat, which allows the uh, Shadow player to retreat sideways, not backwards. It's a little different. And then they have a Magic card, which allows them to, again, pull one from their discard pile. They don't have the Noble Sacrifice card, which makes sense. I mean, Sauron is generally going to be the more overpowered, so you wouldn't usually want to use that anyway. So that that's kind of the different ways you can resolve combat. But the really interesting part is the actual character abilities themselves. So in the classic game, you've got all these different uh, little texts for each character. And there's also, in addition to the cheat sheet, there's the original there's, they've actually got full-size character cards so that one player can have the cards and the other character can have the, I mean, the other player can have the cheat sheet. So each one knows what the other has, at least in theory. So uh, you just don't know which one you're encountering at any given time. So, for example, Aragorn in the original classic game, he may attack any adjacent region. That's one of those exceptions I was talking about earlier where he doesn't have to move forward if there's a bad guy to his side, he can attack that one instead of moving forward some direction or other. Uh, similarly, uh, let's Gandalf has an interesting ability in the classic game. It says the Sauron character must choose his card first, which is nice because Gandalf being the strongest of the Fellowship characters, if you force the Sauron character to pick his card first, you either force him to pick a really strong card so that he cannot lose, or he's just going to throw away a weakling card because he knows you're going to win. So it lets you pick your card based on what his card is, because normally you'd play him face down and then flip him simultaneously. So Gandalf is nice because he basically lets you save better cards for later, depending on the situation. Uh, there's also really interesting thematic stuff in the Fellowship. So you've got, let's see... Oh, yeah. There is a flying Nazgul uh, shadow character, or not Sauron character. Legolas's ability is he just automatically defeats the flying Nazgul. And that's a reference to the part in the story where they're uh, floating down the river Anduin in the boats that were given to them by the Galathrim and Lothlorien. And there's one night where they can tell that there's... Well, I mean, they actually start getting shot at by orcs, and they can kind of sense that there's this flying thing out there, and, and it's a Nazgul, obviously. Legolas pulls his bow out, shoots it, and, that's, and it falls to the ground. I mean, that's a reference to that part of the story, and that's one of those really heavily thematic elements. And then you've got Merry. He automatically defeats the Witch King. Again, very thematic, going back to the story element where he helps Eowyn defeat the Witch King at the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Boromir... Poor Boromir, he has a zero value, but he's essentially, and he he is his own noble sacrifice card. He and the uh, Sauron character both die. So, I mean, there's a bunch of different stuff like that where it gets really heavily thematic and makes it more interesting. So that's really cool. And the same goes for the, the Sauron players as well. I mean, there's different thematic elements, and if you use... So you've got the classic game on one side, and then you flip it over. Some of the characters change, but even the ones that are still around, they get different abilities. And so you, you know, depending on which version you play, your tactics and your strategy change radically. 
So, and there's also a third way to play where you kind of pick and choose classic and, um, well, classic and the variant game and put them together. And then, so, I mean, essentially you've got almost an infinite variety of ways to play between, you could both play classic, you could both play variant, or you can mix and match in all kinds of different ways against each other and make for really interesting strategy type sessions. So, I mean, that's kind of the basics of how the, the pieces work, how they interact with each other and whatnot. So let me just kind of wrap up, talk about what I like about the game, what I kind of not so thrilled about, and then finish up. Okay, so one of the things that I do like about the game is the the actual components are pretty high quality. I mean, this is plastic, but it's it's a pretty solid plastic. It works really well with the actual pieces. I mean, these are these are really strong, stiff cardboard. And it's, you know, it's a really clever way to get both versions of the game in without having to just duplicate pieces. You can just swap your piece out, change it, you know, as needed. It's pretty nice. Cards are also, they're not the the best card stock, but they're definitely better than your standard kind of wimpy 52 card deck. Uh, and then the cheat sheets are also just very helpful. I mean, it's, it's a really good reference and it just really works. The components generally overall very nice. And of course... The artwork is largely done by John Howe, who is my favorite Tolkien artist, so that's a nice plus. I mean, look at that. Look at that cover. That's just awesome. Love John Howe. So the game itself, the components are very good. The artwork is very good. Some of the, some of them, it, it's kind of weird. It's like they kind of just decided to use a different style entirely for certain pieces. I don't understand exactly why that is, but... Be that as it may, the components I really like. I also like the fact that it's uh, a game that you can kind of infinitely vary by changing up how you pick your characters. Of course, whenever you pick your characters, you have to tell the opponent, you know, here's what I've got, and they have to tell you what they've got. You know, if you pick, if you do the pick and choose version of the game, so that they you each know what's potentially out there. Um, but even so, I mean, because you can place the characters on the board any way you choose, kind of like, again, in Stratego, it can make things really complicated. I mean, did he put Gandalf all the way up front so that he can, you know, kind of slaughter my, my first guy? Or did he put Boromir up front because he knows he's going to lose and just, inf you know, just instantly kill both characters that, you know, run into each other? Uh, it's a really interesting scenario because you can you can change things, you know, in all, in all kinds of ways and make it really interesting. So that part's fun. Uh, the other good thing about it is, you know, it would be one thing if it was just kind of a winner take all, uh, whoever wins, you know, wins type thing. But the, the way the, uh, the actual instructions suggest that you play is both players, you know, once you finish one game, you switch sides and then play again. And the idea is, you count up points at the end of the game based on how many characters you have left, and whoever has the most points after two games wins. So you have an incentive not only to win, but also to, you know, to win well. You don't want to play sloppily and lose all your characters. You want to actually make sure as many of your characters live to the end as possible. So there's a really nice uh, element there that keeps it from becoming just win at all costs. You know, it makes you it makes you really use the old noodle. So that's the things that I really like about the game. Now, one, some of the things that I don't particularly care for about the game are 
it's really short. I mean, like really, really short. If you're looking for a uh, kind of an involved game where you can really get some, you know, some traction going, and you know, kind of, if you're looking for an epic experience, kind of like Lord of the Rings itself is epic. This is not really an epic game. It's a fun game. Uh, and if you've only got time for something short, but still want to get your Lord of the Rings kick in, it really works. But there are other games out there that if you're really looking for a longer, uh, a longer involved process where you really get to get deep into it, this really isn't it. I mean, this game can be over in 15 to 20 minutes if both players know what they're doing. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit too short if you're looking for something long and involved. It's perfect, though, if you're looking for something that you can do pretty quick. I mean, you could play this quicker than you could play chess, probably, because there's only nine pieces each, and there's only so many ways they can move. So there's no real positional play, and you don't know what the other person has. So, I mean, there's a little bit of just kind of random luck thrown in. So it, it gets... I just don't... I prefer you know, given the option for both, a longer game. So, again, if you like shorter games, this is perfect. So, I mean, that's just a personal preference thing. But another thing that I'm not a huge fan of is the actual board itself, just because it is so abstract. I mean, it kind of has to be because of the way the game is set up. But this is, this is the entire board. I mean, this is, again, keep in mind, this edition is smaller than the original. So, I mean, it's... But, I mean, look at that. It's, it's like, not quite even twice the length of my head. It's a pretty small board, and it's, it's so abstract that you can't really... I mean, there's hardly any even um, real landmarks on the board. I mean, they, they stick Brie on there. It's not relevant to the actual game, but uh, it's just very, very flat. You know, I mean, not literally flat, but flat in the sense that there's not a lot going on in it. And so it's, again, that's just part of the way the game is, but it it's still, again, if you're looking for that really rich, epic experience, it's, the board ain't going to do it for you. I mean, the, the pieces, the pieces are really nice. The board itself is just, you know, I mean, it's not much above the level of black and white squares alternating on a chessboard. <laughs> so those are kind of little piddling, you know, dislikes. Again, that's just down to personal preference for me. But, you know, it, I guess part of it is if you're going to put, you know, this kind of level of artwork into the characters, then leaving the the board to just be like farm work patches of, yeah, it just, it seems like a, like they just got lazy or something. But anyway, that's kind of a trifling, trifling quibble, but Basically, if you really like abstract strategy games, if you like chess, if you like Stratego especially, because again, it's very much like Stratego in a lot of ways, uh, this game is definitely worth picking up. I'll link to uh, where you can get it on Amazon below, and I'm sure you can find it in other places, BoardGameGeek.com, Cool Stuff Inc. Um, there's lots of websites out there that sell you know specialized board games like this, so I'm just going to link to Amazon. You can find the other links for yourself if you know where to look. But yeah, I mean, it's a really fun game. It's good to pick up. It's easy to teach, easy to play. It's especially easy to teach because of the cheat sheets. I mean, you know what everything does. You know, I mean, the rules are really simple. There's only a couple little exceptions to learn. Like I said, the river Anduin lets you travel sideways one time. So, I mean, really simple rules, really easy to play, really easy to learn. 
and really quick if you've only got time for a short game. So it's really nice for that. So let's wrap up. Hope you enjoyed the video. Hope you're uh, interested in picking up the game. I think it's well worth picking up if you're into Lord of the Rings and strategy games in general. Uh, there are, of course, other games out there that you may already know of if you're into this sort of thing that are much more heavily thematic and much less abstract. One of these days I'm going to do uh, a review of the War of the Ring game, which it is hugely epic, and it'll require a very long review. Uh, but for now, I'm just trying to stick with the easy stuff because it takes a little practice reviewing games. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that. If you want to learn more about other board games or Tolkien's writings, both in and outside of Middle-earth, then please subscribe to the channel. You can also follow me on Twitter at JRRTLore. And of course, if you like the video, please like it on YouTube. Thanks very much. This is the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore channel. Namadieh.